You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 155, covering progress and if wishes were horses, with Gav Brown. Hello, friends. We are back, and our pal Irish Gav is here with us. Hello. Hi. How's Hi. it going? It's it's going fine. Oh, good. We just had a little Star Trek party. We all brought a fret. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I noticed you didn't. Uh, Amanda was still sleeping. She totally would have been along for that one. Should have poked her with a stick. Yeah. You should have imagined a stick to poke her with. Or, or a, um, uh, a pitchfork. Or a self-stealing stem bolt. Or, or a baseball stick. Right. There you go. With my or baseball, baseball mitten. mitten. I like a baseball mitten. Yes. You have to say it like that. It's too. a human mitton. <laughs> but we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's Indeed the, we uh, are. We had a bit of a depressing episode and a bit of a fun episode, and the the more depressing one is first. I say depressing because of the way it ends. Why don't I tell you guys about progress? A yeah, tell us purse. about progress, a woman's or purse. Progress. Yes, Progress Island, USA. Mm. So Bajor is about to build a new hyperspace bypass, and part of that process, as we all know, involves displacing people from their homes. Kara beams down to inform an old farmer dude that he and his mute-for-some-reason compadres need to clear out immediately, but he's having none of it. Meet Mullabach, a simple farmer that I'm 100% positive Matt hates. I actually find the dude rather charming, as he manages to charm his way through the grinchiest of hearts and maybe convince Kara that she's a bit of a sellout now. So Kira sticks around, risking her career, because, damn it, she's not a sellout. She's as hardcore as she ever was. Except she isn't. She just ends up burning Mulebach's house down to convince him to leave. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the station, Jake and Nog form a financial empire built on Cardassian <laughs> yamok sauce, self-stealing stem bolts, and dirt. <laughs> just a typical day for No-J Enterprise. <laughs> Boys, here's a few slips of Latinum. Buy yourselves a better name. Please. <laughs> No J Enterprises. <laughs> That's like uh, Mal pointed out. It. It's like uh, go buy us a cup of coffee. Is <laughs> that or Jog? Yeah, that's true. Jog wouldn't have been much better. No. I guess you could go by. The, you know, you could do the last name thing. I guess Nog doesn't have one, but it'd be like Sisknog. <laughs> Cisco and blank. Yeah. yeah, Jake's like, well, go by the last name thing. Since you don't have one, we'll just use mine. Yeah, so Cisco, Cisco and Cisco and brothers. <laughs> Call it Ciscorp. <laughs> but with a K. Taking you to the future today. <laughs> and then we'll make my dad the accountant. Oh, God. And the mascot. <laughs> make make uh, make Ben do all the numbers and uh, and deliver the financial reports. Well, in this quarter we made... Oh, no. <laughs> 70%. Is that good? Is that bad? Profits, I don't know. Profits are down this, this quarter. That's good, right? I should know. I'm the emissary of the profits. Wait, which quarter is this? The gamma one or the delta one? <laughs> profits for the gamma quarter. <laughs> uh, Gav, tell us a good thing. A good thing was uh, Cisco's awesome speech to Kira. Um... Because so she's she's he, down on the planet, she's uh, she, refusing to leave at this point, and he he shows up and says he, he uh, beams you know. down to the planet just outside the guy's house, knocks, mm -hmm. and then <laughs> she comes out because you know he says, "Do you want to play?" So she comes out, and then he, right. he gives a speech to her, and I just like it just because it's so heartfelt and the last thing that Kira was expecting to hear at that point. Yep. Because she probably thought he was just going to shout at her about numbers or something. But <laughs> the, uh, the last thing Kira expected was someone to say he liked her. Well, Cisco. <laughs> Cisco has an interesting angle on all this because, on the one hand, Kira's basically abandoned her post and said, fuck you, I'm staying with this old man. Mm -hmm. And he kind of gets it. His his immediate reaction isn't put this aside and, and do your job. He's like, no, I get it. You're, you know, you're kind of stuck right now. In fact, that actually plays into my quote, which is uh, Bashir comes back and basically tattles on her. And he's like, yep. ah, I don't know if it exactly happened like that. And, and, uh, and he says this. I'm going to tell Minister Tehran that she's remained temporarily on Gerardo at your request. But, sir, that isn't true. Make it true, Doctor. Now, please. Commander, I'd advise that Major Kira remain on Gerardo for humanitarian reasons. How long? 
the next day or two. For the next day or two, sir. Thank you, Doctor. I'll consider that request. Dismissed. Which I rather liked. I just, I like here, uh, Cisco makes a good boss. He's a great, yeah, he's a great, like, uh, he's a great leader guy, you know? Because he doesn't just take the position that this is what you're supposed to be doing. He tries to take your, you know, your thoughts and feelings into account. Yeah, I'm always right. Yeah, exactly. Whereas <laughs> Which Picard, is the Kirk approach. Well, and, and Picard plays more, listen, I understand where you're coming from, but don't disappoint me. Yeah. <laughs> And Cisco's more of a, you need to make your own decision, but here's what I think. Yeah, the problem, though, is that if you disappoint Cisco, he might punch you in the face. That's true. You hit yeah. me. <laughs> what? But that does culminate in, in, as you say, Gav, a nice little speech that, yeah, so uh, that he gives Kira. Yeah, it's not, I mean, uh, yeah, they're, they're, as you said, they're very different speech, speeches they make, Picard and, uh, mm. and Cisco. So, but, uh, yeah. Uh, Cisco is just like, uh, do this, but uh, you will disappoint me. <laughs> Whereas Picard kind of gives you the choice. Yeah. Right. You don't want to disappoint me. Nobody wants to disappoint him. Whereas sometimes you're just going to disappoint Cisco. That's the universe you live in, where yep. uh, nobody's ever completely happy with anyone else. Sorry, buddy. Oh, it's all right. I'll get you next time. <laughs> I'll get you good. <laughs> I'll see. get you gadget if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> Next week I have a baseball player coming over, but after that, <laughs> uh, Matt, I wish what I had time you? for my baseball player. <laughs> what but about I you, Matt? Suppose I'd never will. Ah, uh, I was really impressed that she burned the cottage down. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of rushed through that in my summary, but really, this is one of those episodes where not a lot happened, and we sort of assumed it would end that way. Yeah, I. uh did not see that coming. I was expecting the guy to just conveniently die in his sleep. That's how TNG would have done it. Yeah. But, uh, nope, she burns the fucking house down to save this guy because, uh, just because you want something doesn't mean you get to have it. And that's what he says. As long as this cottage is here, I'm staying. Oh. Yeah, is he that basically how said, burn the, the cottage down. Yeah. If only you'd said, as long as I'm standing here, I won't stay here. Right. Then he would have killed him. Yeah. <laughs> His house did appear to be made of uh, oily rags or gasoline. Or... <laughs> yeah. All it would have taken would be a small model of a DeLorean crashing into it to take that thing down. <laughs> and he was just about to mail the insurance check as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem is the entire thing is made of rattan furniture. <laughs> My wicker house. Oh, no. <laughs> and a stupid door. That, that opens opens down and in. Yeah, it's this weirdly angled, like it, the outside of it looks kind of like a Flintstones house. Yeah, <laughs> but, but like then, when, yeah, the door opens. Like if you're standing on the other side, it might hit you in the top of the head somehow. Yeah, like it's a foot off the ground. Yep. And it like but it, like you have to pull it into the house. Yep. Like Kira has to open it at one point, and it looks like the most cumbersome door in the world. Now I understand that they have to make it look like it's an alien house, like the Bajorans mm -hmm. aren't just Earth people. But eh. well, I you, you think they take care of that when they slap their Bajoran logo all over? Oh them. my <laughs> God, Gav, you pointed this out, and Matt and I have been pointing it out for a few weeks, but I don't think we brought it up on the show yet. There's a there's a logo for the Bajorans, which is like an oval with a circle in it. Yeah, it's basically what uh, Kira's uh, combat looks like. Right, exactly. And yeah, every time you go to Bajor, everything, every house, every like everything has that slapped on it. It's very strange. I kind of feel like you know, if you've just gotten over a uh, uh, Cardassian occupation, you're gonna want a little bit of uh, hometown pride. So you think it's like like American flags after nine eleven? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except that the Jordans decided to make their windows out of them. Yeah, that's fair. Well, you haven't been to certain parts of America either. That is true. We made a lot of things out of American flags because the, you know, just to remind you, in case you've forgotten, this is <laughs> where you are. It's also why the Bajorans changed the word French fries to Bajoran fries. <laughs> <laughs> to freedom fighter fries. <laughs> Which is almost as hard to say as self steel. Ah, self-sealing self stem yeah. I can't do it. You, you can imagine there are about 40 takes for every scene that involves self-sealing uh, stem bolts. And there's a lot of scenes that involve self-sealing stem bolts. And one of, the, one of the actors who has to say it over and over again has fake teeth in his mouth, so that, <laughs> that can't make it any easier. Yep. <laughs> Come on, Jake, it's the self-sealing... Damn it. <laughs> oh, bitch. I just keep wanting to say self-stealing. Yeah. Which which conjures up a whole other image. Look, nothing self-steals on DS9. Quark usually beats it to it. Hmm, that's true. 
Another thing about those self-sealing stem bolts is no one seems to know what they do, which <laughs> just seemed weird. Cause yeah, even even the engineering genius. Yep. That's actually a bad thing. What, that, that O'Brien doesn't I find doesn't it hard know? to believe that Chief O'Brien doesn't know what self-sealing stem bolts do. <laughs> dude's, uh, dude's pretty on the ball. That's true. Well, I mean, we see we see Nog pick one up and, and operate it. It's like a weird little battery that shoots little uh, tabs out the sides. Yeah. You know, you need that in lots of things. Yep. And damn it, they're the best in the quadrant. I guess. Here. I feel like we should talk about the Kira plot before we get too into the... Uh, too into the the much better Jake and Nog plot. Yeah, they're they're both a lot of fun, but as, as Kim pointed out last week, and I, I think she's right about this pretty much across the board, the A stories and B stories on the show almost never have anything to do with each other thematically. They're just two different things that happen. Yep. And I'm okay with that. She had a problem with it, and I, I can see that argument. Although but it these, doesn't really bother me. Although these two plots did link together in a Seinfeld kind of way at the end. How do you mean? With uh, oh, well, the land turned, that they needed to get. But, yeah, it just turns out that I think I think they were linked. To, that yeah, they, they sell they... the land to Malabach. <laughs> wow. That makes so, sense. I didn't even think so of that. So we can new, build a new wicker house. Right. He could take thirty years to build build a kiln one, <laughs> one tile at a time. <laughs> Jesus. This time uh, next my... century, I should have a wall. <laughs> Now, if my silent friends would do anything except stab people with pitchforks, maybe we could get something done <laughs> I around I totally here. thought you said his Cylon friends. His Cylon <laughs> friends. Now, I almost... I almost... Go out there and build me a kiln, by your command. Yeah, I see. I was about to make it say exterminate, and, like, where, <laughs> where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> no, Cylons don't say that. That's, that's a different kind of robot. Yeah. That's, and they're not even robots. They got little no. guys in them. Thank they're you. Salt shakers with, uh, with goo in them. Yes, they're pepper pots. And a plunger. Oh, exterminate. And a whisk. And a whisk. Okay, Why are, there, these are the there most any Dalek bad jokes guys that, in uh, Doctor Who? Are there any Dalek jokes that you haven't heard yet? Uh, yes. No. But I don't know what they are. Of course. <laughs> I haven't I, heard them yet. That's the beauty of it. I was I was about to make <laughs> one about stairs. <laughs> so oh, the something one about, about stairs. stairs that's my, and then that's like, my favorite yeah. one that they make in the media. <laughs> yeah, all the time. So my good thing about this episode, uh, we've we've mentioned Kira has been played a bit over the top so far. Yes, and I think that's that's stating it mildly. I can see people who have only seen early parts of this series not liking Kira. I get that, but. Uh, this is the first time where she really kind of gets knocked on her ass and she has to think about what she's turned into. And, yep. and they they talk a lot about the uniform, about how, um, well, Gav, that was actually a bad thing, wasn't it? The, the uniform, yeah. The, the, uh, the mute people don't like uniforms. So obviously they bring as many uniforms as possible when they're going to the planet to, you know, take them away. Right, Kira mm. coming back her second time knows this. Yep. Because yeah, she, she, she says to them, um, you know, be careful because they don't like uniforms. Um, right. I'm sure they're thinking, couldn't you have mentioned this earlier? Yeah, couldn't we have maybe worn our civilian clothes for this one, maybe? The, the problem no. is Kira doesn't own any civilian clothes. <laughs> That's probably true. She's just <laughs> got that that undershirt thing. Yeah, she has three sets of clothes and they're all that uniform. <laughs> well, they, they make it a point of talking about uniforms as a, as a symbol in this episode, as they don't like uniform, you know, like... That reminds them of the Cardassians. And the whole sort of thing with Kira is she realizes that she's now a uniform. Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of like when you refer to a business person as a suit. You know, yeah. she's she's a uniform now. She's she's part of the establishment. She's mm -hmm. the man. And she's the government. She does not like that at all. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that she's been thrown for a loop and she's she realizes that all this anger and all this everything is sort of misdirected and, and she's gotta be this sort of calm authority figure now well yeah well i yeah. mean like you take someone who's been fighting literally their entire life right and suddenly it's like well no you don't stand up for these people they're in the way of the government we're trying to build yep and and that's part of uh cisco's speech that gav was talking yeah. about where he's like i know you've always wanted to fight for the underdog but uh you're you're the man now we're trying to do something bigger than three people right and it is it is a very good thing they're trying to do they're trying to use the moon's power or whatever to to power to power they're gonna a bunch provide of things energy on to uh half a bajor or something right and it, it sounds like a very noble thing and not like they're just trying to build a mcdonald's or something yeah so uh, right. And the McDonald's logo, of course, would somehow be comprised <laughs> of two Bajoran logos forming an N. 
Um, but yeah, it's um, it's it's an interesting arc for her, and it and it sort of brings her down to down to Bajor. I was going to say down to Earth, but you know, down to Bajor, I guess. Yeah. No, it it, it, of, it it kind of softens her a bit when, just yeah. right right before she burns someone's house down. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> We're all making the point that Kira's become a little more mellow, and then, yes, the last thing she does is burn a house burn down. Burn the house down. <laughs> well, it was the only way they were going to get him off there. No, and again, it's, it's nice because... They could have burned the planet. That's true. That is a good point. There's, um, there's, there is a, uh, a type of story that Next Gen told a lot, Matt, like you said, the, uh-huh. um, where you're presented with two sort of equal sides of an argument, where... The people who want to leave aren't or don't want to leave aren't wrong, and the people who want them to leave aren't wrong, and you just sort of next gen always wussed out and never said one side had to win. They always sort of found this tricky way out and well, yeah, they, made the hard choice here. They always found a way to compromise, even when it didn't make sense for the for the story. Right. And this is DS nine saying, Nope, when we yeah. when we present you with two, you know, equally valid perspectives, one of them has to lose. That's just how life works. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Sorry, but... Uh, yeah, it would be nice if everything worked out nicely for everyone, but that's not really how it works in but this But, I mean, world. they do give the guy a really... I assume they give him a decent place on Bajor. One, one assumes, but, you know, who knows? Yeah. Maybe he goes back to a camp. <laughs> they do like their camps. <laughs> they arrest him. <laughs> for squatting. Yeah. Um... Let's see. Bad thing, bad thing. Oh, okay. My bad thing. Um, so at one point, Quark gets really frustrated with Nog and grabs him by the ear. And we've previously shown, like in the Vosh episode and I think in another one, stroking a Ferengi's ear is a very sexual thing. Mm. We really need to decide just how much of this is erotic and how much isn't. Because, you know, that's basically Quark grabbing him by the balls. Well, I mean, that would get the point across. <laughs> I suppose it would. Although I guess one of you pointed out that maybe it's a puberty thing, and uh, yeah, and uh, Nog hasn't gone through puberty yet. Right. That would also Possibly. explain why he's about three apples high. <laughs> no, that that never changes. Well, that's true. That's as tall as that guy's ever going to get. They give him a uh, Starfleet uniform that would fit like the guy who plays Rumpelstiltskin in the next episode. Yes. <laughs> they give him a Starfleet uniform that would fit Amanda. Oh man, I've seen her in a Starfleet uniform. That was yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's a it's there's a moment in a man's life when you think you know I've found a woman, I've married her, and, and you know obviously you're attracted to her, and then you see her dressed as Ensign Rowe, and you're just like, whoa, yeah, who is that? Oh, I'm married to her. Hey, mm-hmm. and as she was nice walking moment. around, she said, uh, "Beware, some these people don't like uniforms." <laughs> <laughs> oh, this person does. <laughs> this person very much does. Um, but I think I think we basically covered the the Kira part of it. The, yeah, I mean, that, it's one of those episodes where there's not much to it. Where it's just, come on, I want you to go. No, I'm not going to go. And that, back and forth like that. And we've had some pretty bad episodes of Star Trek that do that. But uh, in this case, it ends up uh, pretty okay. But then we get this other plot, which I don't know, Matt, Matt. I know Gav, you enjoy these. Matt, how do you feel about the the Jake and Nog sort of? Oh, uh, I thought it was fine. Going off on boy adventures. I like uh, I like uh, TM. I like Nog's effect on <laughs> on Jake as he slowly sort of like no no I'm getting this. Yeah, I'm 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 figuring it. and actually uh, Jake ends up being a bit smarter. Yeah, yeah he's a better he's like, Ferengi. Yeah, he's like no no land. Land is good. You want land? <laughs> and Nog just keeps saying it's dirt. Yeah, well, it's a matter of land. Land of greater. Fun greater than built sums up the entire episode, I think. <laughs> but they end up, I mean, it ends up being sort of a wacky sitcom thing, but yeah. they play it off so that it's not annoying. No, it's actually, it's pretty, I, I was pretty uh, interested. Yeah, Quark ends up with a with, with this overabundance of, of a uh, Cardassian uh, condiment. Called and, Yamak sauce. Yeah, there's no Cardassians on the station anymore, so he's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Why didn't they sell it all to Garrick? <laughs> well, Garrick's actually allergic to it. Uh, no, I don't. Makes him break out. Makes him break out scales. There's a site I found that approximates recipes for things they can't possibly know. So there's there's actually a site that has a recipe for yamak sauce. Of course it does. 
I might go back and visit that. What uh, do you remember offhand? What it is, or do you have it handy? Or? I think the uh, link is in the notes one, here somewhere. OneWorldPlate.com slash tag slash yamak sauce. Oh, I meant. Do you specifically remember what? Was oh, in, what the like, recipe is? Is uh, it just like Tabasco sauce and ketchup or something, or is it actually something elaborate? No, no, that's secret sauce at McDonald's. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's like it's like to, you know, like a couple of things mixed together, basically. Mm. It's not it's not an elaborate recipe. It's just two sauces mixed together. Yeah, see, that's, that's like, what I figured. This is yamak sauce. It's no, it's not real. It's Put like this mayonnaise in the sun. <laughs> it's like um. There, there was a one of those kind of websites that said Romulan ale was basically blue Kool Aid and like vodka or something. Yep. Like, oh come on, Romulan ale. You could do a little better than that. Unfortunately, they couldn't. Now, see, I want the recipe for Rectigino. I told you that's coffee with blood in it. What kind of blood, though? I don't know any kind. What see, do you have handy? Gorn blood. There yeah. you go. A little bit of Gorn blood. Just a, you know, just a little, just that's just for you know for taste. <laughs> well, you traded your stem bolts for like eighteen bottles of uh, Gorn blood, so yeah. And then and then I sold my combs to buy you some Yamak sauce. <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, sold I my Yamaks to buy you this watch fob. Oh no, that watch fob is made of dirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's land. It's a land fob. Oh, of course, a land fob. In fact, I'm made of dirt. Collapse. <laughs> and as long as I'm made of dirt, I'm not leaving this moon. Stop fire. setting fire to my dirt. No, my dirt. That's why he needs the kiln so he can solidify into something that doesn't just fall apart. So basically, Mullabok, which is a he, -he man name, but anyway, basically, totally Mullabok is. is Clayface. Yes. But Clayface won. <laughs> Because I remember that from reading the DC Who's Who, there's like five clay faces. There's five clay faces. Clay face, face. Clay face one? Is that, is that bigger or smaller than two? <laughs> <laughs> nice. We get, uh, we get Dax in this episode hinting that she's gone out with Morn. Yep. Who, uh, I don't know, have we, have we actually mentioned Morn on the show before? He's the, he uh, got a name last week. He's the dude who's hanging out in the background at Quark's always. Really good-looking alien design. Yep. <laughs> I was say really good-looking alien. Oh, he is. Yeah, trust he is. me. Have you seen those four wiry hairs sticking out of his forehead? That's, Jesus. That's exactly what Dax says. <laughs> so you've got Morn and Bashir. Does anyone not ask her out? Garrick um, accepted, of course. Yeah, Garrick maybe has a has motives Different to the ideas. contrary. <laughs> Garrick has designs on Julian. <laughs> Although I still say that Garrick is at Best Buy because, w without spoiling specifically what's going on, he does he does involve himself with the lady at some mm. later point. Garrick's blog is also called Designs on Julian, <laughs> <laughs> where he has Julian modeling all his different uh, <laughs> tailor outfits. I, I need you to buy a suit. He's like um, again. There's, a, there's an Etsy. Uh, what is it? Etsy long suffering Etsy boyfriends Tumblr. <laughs> That shows, you know, people wear, wearing their girlfriend's crafted things and hating it. <laughs> and I just picture Julian just sort of pouting. Ugh, fine, I'll model this last one, but that's it. Then I've got to get to work. I've only got four more for you, Doctor. <laughs> is, is he Anthony Hopkins now? Yes. yes. I could see I that. <laughs> I could totally see Anthony Hopkins playing a Garrick-type Cardassian character. I could totally see Garrick standing in that cell. Well, yes. yes. I myself cannot. <laughs> Fly away back to the FBI, Mr. S <laughs> Mr. Bashir. Fly, fly, fly. Fly, fly, fly. Fly, fly, fly. Uh, so, Matt, did you hate the old guy or not? I I started out hating him. Mm -hmm. Because old guy who won't get out of the way of uh, something we need to do. Of progress. Matt. Yes. A woman's purse. Yeah. Flag on the moon. How did it get there? But, um, <laughs> no, I, he turned moon. me around actually pretty quickly. He's... He's pretty funny. He is, and, and according to Memory Alpha, apparently he wasn't meant to be. He was meant to be not very likable. <laughs> and I don't know if the if the script went in a different direction or if the actor took it in a different direction, but he was kind of likable. Mm -hmm. No, I feel like that was the actor just putting a performance into it that they mm -hmm. didn't expect. What do you yeah. think, Gav? I mean, I assume Matt didn't like him just because he's the type of character that he doesn't like. I'm not. Yeah, not really it's not sure. hard to figure out who I'm not going to like in Star not, Trek. Yeah, that's I, true. I didn't mind. I thought he was a charming guy, but he's not the kind of person you'd want to cross. Was the impression I got from him? But yeah, I didn't. Well, he'll tackle him. you. Like he had a bit of an edge underneath that he would he would absolutely yeah. fight you if he could. Yeah, if you if you touched his roots, he would get, he would get annoyed and punch you. 
Well, in fairness, if people are grabbing for my root, I might. Uh... <laughs> you know, Mr. Mott can touch up those roots for you. Yeah, I'm going to need that here in a few years. Oh, <laughs> uh, now I just made myself sad. <laughs> oh, honey, at least you're not gray right now. No, I am. Well, at least you don't have Reed Richards sideburns. Well, that's true. See, it's distinguished on a guy with brown hair is the thing. That's true. Yeah, ginger doesn't really, or redhead doesn't really, no. I've no, got, you I've get... got gray hair in my beard as well. Yeah, you got like the cinnamon and sugar. That's not nearly as attractive <laughs> as the uh, salt and pepper look. Salt and pepper. Salt and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> when Patrick Stewart hosted Saturday Night Live, they were the musical guests. Oh, right. that, always, that always makes me laugh. Ladies and gentlemen, salt and pepper. And after that, I'm going to show you some erotic cakes. <laughs> oh, uh, we usually mention these things as they make the rounds. There's that uh, make it snow thing. Oh, yeah, that was pretty good. That's, that's making the rounds. I'll, I'll uh, throw an, uh, a link to that in our show notes if you're interested. If you the haven't thing... seen Patrick Stewart singing uh, Make It Snow oh, yet. Oh, I, I haven't yet. The thing about that that made me the most happy was uh, Will Wheaton sending a tweet begging people to stop sending it to him. <laughs> because oh, it, well, it does I must feature send it a, to him then. Yes. <laughs> I do like when he suffers. It does feature a, a line in there that uh, he wishes people would forget. <laughs> and they never will. Nope. That's, right. what, that's what the traveler said to him. <laughs> Five minutes into their journey to wherever they went. Oh, I wish God. You would Shut up, Wesley. I wish you would forget. <laughs> Uh, that's all I had for this one. How about you guys? Anything else? Uh, let's see here. The extras didn't really say much, but then that's probably because <laughs> they would have to pay them. Yeah, that's true. They just, uh, stabbed a guy with a pitchfork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't really need that's... to say anything other than that, do you? No. I mean, that pretty much speaks for itself, I think, on any planet. Yep. I was like a Mullerbog when she burned his house. He just stood there and watched. I think he was just waiting. I think he... I get the impression he knew he was going to have to leave, and he was just yeah. waiting to see how she was going to do it. Yeah, he wasn't, like, it's, he knew he just wasn't going to help her. No, exactly. And and he was waiting to see if she was actually going to physically drag him away, or if yeah. she would come up with some other clever way to do it. Let's see what she's going to do here. She's just picking up that flame. She's, she's burning. Holy crap, she's burning my house. She's actually going through with this. The she's... thing I love that is, like, he expected <laughs> her to burn the house down, mm-hmm. but he was really pissed off when she shot the kiln. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I think it was Mal pointed out that uh, there was no need for that. Nope. <laughs> she could have just put the little fire stick in the, you know, in the oven part. Yeah, but you know what? Fuck his kiln. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Fuck you and your kiln. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to burn couch. your house. You're burning my house. What about my Bajoran symbol? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. There'll be plenty on Bajor. Yeah, they're everywhere. Trust me. You can buy them over at the Freedom Shop. We're working very slowly to carve the planet into that shape. <laughs> and if we can somehow make it so that the wormhole looks like that. <laughs> All right. Any any further business, or shall we press forward? Uh, uh, just, just. Uh, uh, I read that he was the voice of Uncle Ben in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, that voice. I, I saw that in your notes, and I was just like, yes, thank you. That's where I know that voice from. <laughs> You had a lot of that this week, because the guy in the other episode was uh, yeah someone that you didn't immediately recognize either. A lot of that happening. Yeah. that uh, Star Trek is good for that. Star Trek is good for, oh man, it's that guy. Yep. That guy. Yep. Um, I, Gav, I don't know if you, if you heard our episode or if you watched along with us when uh, Mike from Breaking Bad showed up. Oh, yes, the... Uh, As this is one of the rebels on one that uh, uh, war-torn yeah. planet. Mullety Ripples. Yeah, that yes. was. Did uh, you watch that one? No. I, yeah, I would have skipped <laughs> that. Lucky. But, but, uh, but, but, it but is, I knew, yeah. It is a little unusual knowing what you know about Breaking Bad and uh, and seeing Mike there and just like, yep. oh, God. <laughs> That's right, Walter, I'm here now. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the Gamma Quadrant now. <laughs> just because you killed Gold Ducat doesn't make you Gold Ducat. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Nobody killed Gold Ducat. gotta worry about those spoilers Matt. oh yeah okay i just needed a bad guy well yeah i understand all right pushing forward to the very awkwardly titled if wishes were horses then quark would steal horses then quark would steal wishes what (laughs) gav tell us please won't you i will we begin with Quark telling Odo about the aroma of opportunity, and Odo telling Quark he has no olfactory perception. But how does he smell? Terrible. Uh. Meanwhile, <laughs> Bashir and Dax are having dinner. 
Julian Bashir, who you may or may not know, fancies Dax. And he was so <laughs> subtle, too. You look dazzling in your blue and black outfit. Wow, God bless you. Anyway. A reference maybe five people will get, but it's worth <laughs> Anyway, she turns him down as his roving eyes are a little too roving. It seems that she'd prefer mourn to him. No interest in that story? Well, there are elevated Thoron emissions in the nearby Denorius belt. Dax and Cisco investigate. Uh, that not interesting you either? Oh, I know. How about O'Brien meets his daughter to Rumpelstiltskin on his non-Kindle? That can't possibly go wrong. Oh, it has. Did I mention Rumpelstiltskin came to life? Oh, and also, I'm sick of writing Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> While we're at it, an imaginary and submissive Dax for Bashir appears. Oh, and some baseball guy for Cisco. Then more weird shit happens, like snow, snow in the same station, and emus. <laughs> but not just regular emus, but space ones. But it's okay, it's just another day at the office for these guys. No wonder Starfleet need counsellors. The imaginary guys try to get the crew to engage with them, but even Jake would rather do homework than play baseball. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Thorin emissions turn into an ever-expanding void near the station until Cisco realises it's because people are wishing it bigger. Life must be really crap if people are wishing that. That's baseball for you. <laughs> anyway, it disappears then, and the baseball guy tells Cisco it was all a test so they could see what imagination was all about. They couldn't have listened to John Lennon. <laughs> it gets very clear that John Lennon had no idea what imagination was. <laughs> That's a good point. I, I, I pat myself on the back for somehow managing to get an Irishman to say, That's baseball for you. <laughs> <laughs> Not a phrase you normally would say, I would think. No, but then I have watched again. Oh, I'm terribly, terribly sorry. I for feel that. like I'm still watching again. <laughs> On behalf of all of America, I do terribly apologize for that. Also, that's Memory a, Alpha that's a points... war on terror. <laughs> Memory Alpha points out that this is the only episode of Star Trek of any incarnation of Star Trek that features emus. That pretty much tells you everything you need to know about Memory Alpha, doesn't it? <laughs> so when it comes time to donate money to keep uh, Memory Alpha going, please find a couple of bucks, won't you? Because we need facts like that. Do it that, for the emu. That makes me just want to write a Star Trek episode and get it made just so I can have another emu in it. <laughs> well, no, then there'll be a whole page of emus in Star Trek. Oh, God. <laughs> Once there's more than one. There's, that <laughs> there's, no, there's no way we can get out of this. <laughs> it's a no-win scenario with these people. Yes, these are emus. You are not tripping balls. <laughs> uh, this was a goofy, goofy episode. And, yeah! But it didn't take itself seriously like uh, Move Along Home did. Mm. And so I feel like it was it was actually kind of fun. I actually want to hit Gab your good thing because it's, my, it's the best thing about this episode. Yeah, it yeah. definitely is. <laughs> my good thing is I love the future. Because uh, weird shit happens and no one bats an eyelid. A character from fairy tales has come to life. Let's find out why. Not, holy Jesus, what the fuck is that? Kill it with fire. In conclusion, people, in the 24th century, they're on dope. <laughs> I just, I love the fact that Star Trek as a universe has gotten to the point where when fucking Rumpelstiltskin appears in your daughter's bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> O'Brien's first impulse isn't to jump on his daughter to protect her from the monster that just showed up. It's fucking well, call security. And Hake then was already there. The <laughs> and it's like, okay, so I guess this is today. Yeah, like talk the thing down and call security and, you know, do what you can. It's, um, I, it, it that yeah, is he, one he thing brings that I think... To, he, he brings it to ops, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, come with me. I'm going to show you to my boss. <laughs> it's it's similar to that thing that happened in uh, Move Along Home, which was my only, like, the only part that I liked about it, which is that Kira can't handle this shit. She's gotten a little better at it now. Yeah. But everyone, like, all the Starfleet guys are just like, yep, this is what happens. This is, we're being tested probably or yep. something. Well, it's like, I feel like there's classes on this at Starfleet Academy at this point. There must be. Even if it only happens to the Enterprise, they must tell everyone else about it. Yeah. To expect it. But now imagine there's, you know, hundreds of ships in the fleet and everyone's going through this shit every week. Yeah. It's, uh... It's, it's just like, well, you gotta be prepared if fairy tales start coming to life. We do have a precedent for that. They even mentioned it in the Q episode where they said, yeah, I, I saw a briefing on this guy. Yeah. It's like they actually, uh... They actually share this info. That must be a lot of fun. The the Q briefing? Yeah. Well, in general, just sitting through, oh, let's see, Deep Space Nine had uh, snow and rogue emus this week, and uh, <laughs> Captain Picard's run into this Q fellow again. Plus, uh, you know at least once Q showed up to take the class. I was going to say that. <laughs> I wonder how often he would just turn up. <laughs> 
And then um, there would be a Q briefing, Q briefing. <laughs> ah. What to do when Q shows up at your Q briefing? <laughs> ah, I'll take this one as well. Oh, no. <laughs> Son of a bitch. It's Q's all the way down. Let's see how far this goes. But in general, I feel like, like I say, Move Along Home was the sort of sinister, you think they're doing all this stupid shit because they're going to die. Right. In this one, you know everything's going to be fine, and it's just everyone just sort of shrugs it off, and, and like you guys said, it, this is a day at the office, and they kind of have fun with it. Like, mm-hmm. particularly Dax, looking at the fantasy Dax that uh, Julian has, just starts giving him a hard time about it in a, in a friendly sort of way. Oh, so that's what you want, huh? Like, it's, it's just they're having fun with it. Yeah. Which, if you're going to do a stupid episode like this, at least, you know, at least enjoy the camp. Yeah. Like, Not the it, when people camp. start taking this... No, different camp. When, if, you're, if you're taking fucking Rumpelstiltskin deadly serious, like, you're not getting this show. No, but you know if Next Gen had done this episode in season one, <laughs> that it would have been super serious. Oh, yeah, totally. How do we deal with this dwarf? Yeah. And, uh, well, in the future, we've evolved beyond the need for Rumpelstiltskin, obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, they can, get, they can get all of the straw and gold they want. Yes, they can just replicate straw into gold. Computer, gold straw, please. Right. Uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, I think Buck Bokai eventually married Bunty Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to get Gav to say Bunty again, didn't you? I did indeed. Bunty. <laughs> Bunty Bailey. No, um... Bunty, bunty, bunty. There's actually a lot in this episode I like, but um, Odo chasing emus around the promenade is probably <laughs> that's a that's a good candidate for cover the best art. Part. Yeah, because we got this, we got the 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 western motif to Deep Space Nine. It's supposed to be like a sort of a frontier town, and Odo's supposed to be the sheriff. And oh now, man, that just that just makes me want to see Odo riding a horse and trying to la- that's, lasso. That's emu. what I was building to. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's the constable is chasing these weird creatures. He even tells someone at one point to get out of the street. Yep. <laughs> Which I didn't realize that that's what they refer to the. I guess yeah. I guess technically it's a street. Right. So really, if you take that whole Western metaphor, then yeah, he's he's out there lassoing up some emu or whatever stupid alien name they call them. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Only time it ever happened in Star Trek, Matt. Yep. <laughs> I do like that emu are so fucking weird that you don't have to, like, paint them or nope. put a horn on them. They're just... They're, these are aliens. They're just... Look at them. They're fucking li- weird. Li- listen, there's no amount of money you could pay me to put a horn on an emu. <laughs> yeah, but they did it to Gene's dog in uh, The Enemy Within. <laughs> yeah, because dogs oh. will t- let, uh, let you put a horn on them. Emu will fuck you up. See, I assume that, but I don't know. I've never seen one. I've seen well, a llama. Those are basically the same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Llamas are the birds of... Wait. Yeah. But <laughs> if you see emus where people are swimming, you must shout, look out, <laughs> there are emus. <laughs> look out, there are emu. <laughs> uh, Gav, what was your bad thing? My bad thing was O'Brien's... O'Brien had a rant about... Because they were originally going to use a leprechaun in this instead of Rumpelstiltskin. And, mm. and he says, using characters or cliches is not something Star Trek is is or should be into. He's never actually seen Star Trek, has he? Apparently the not. Of, the amount of episodes where they've been mocking the Irish. Uh, <laughs> that's a that's a kind word. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I'd be kind. Oh, so someone might want to tell the Irish tourist board since they've got leprechauns everywhere. <laughs> I mean, like... He was in that episode where they beamed the Irish people up. Was he yeah, actually in it? Yes, he was. Yeah, he was in it. Yeah, he I was. remember. Yeah, he I beamed would, them up. I would say that would be worse than having a leprechaun in an episode. Yeah. Yeah, if if it's an episode about fanciful things coming to life, then a leprechaun's just one other thing. It's not yeah. really singling the Irish out. It's just no. one thing among many. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really... But uh, he, he was talking about, and he says about cliches as well. In one of the previous episodes, he has potato casserole. If that's not an Irish casserole, uh, yep. casserole uh, cliche, I don't know what it is. Well, the thing about that is his Irishness is almost constantly overshadowed by Keiko's Japanese-ness. Yep. <laughs> Keiko's Keiko. She makes sure of that. Yeah, yeah. I, let, let's not let's not sully Japan. You're right. It's it's specifically Keiko. Yeah. <laughs> It's only the dishes that she wants. It's only the, you know, the decorations that she wants. Yeah. 
and uh, the you know little Molly O'Brien, who which is about the most Irish name I can think of, yep. <laughs> is pretty much raised in an entirely Japanese culture and never uh, doesn't know anything about her Irish heritage at all. I was just waiting for Keiko to snap uh, O'Brien's neck when he tried to give her a non-Japanese fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> Rumble Stiltskin, what is that? My house. <laughs> My house. Quack. <laughs> <laughs> Your Keiko sounds a little like Mr. Smile. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not wrong. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. There goes Keiko. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, part, the part of Keiko in this episode will be played by Mr. Smile. <laughs> I'm oddly okay with that. <laughs> I else my stupid hands. <laughs> I'm oddly okay with that because you killed off Mr. Smile at one point. <laughs> well. Uh... Matt. No, listen, Keiko will never die because O'Brien must suffer. Well, this is true. We haven't really seen that happen quite the way it's going to happen, though. No, but we will. He's got some. He's got some serious suffering on the horizon for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your bad thing, Matt? Uh, Julian apparently has a rather low opinion of Dax, or a rather depressing taste in women. Like, I can't think of anything worse than someone who just will not let go of you. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. I don't know. Terry Farrell, apparently this is one of her favorite episodes because she gets to play Dax two different ways, mm-hmm. which I guess I can see. But, uh, yeah, his version of Dax is totally watered down and sort of takes away all of the things about Dax that are attractive apart yeah, from her phys- like every, you know, physically. Like, like, the coolest stuff about Dax is, like, yeah, her total, the fact that she's fucking awesome. Yeah, but we haven't seen that yet either. No, but we will. So it's it's also hard for us watching this in order. To quite understand what's so different about this Dax, because we haven't seen the real one be all that independent yet. We we see a little bit of it. Little little in this episode, actually, because yeah. we have some contrast. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, yeah, not really. And we see her uh, considering sex with Morn <laughs> last episode, so. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know, I, I feel like what we know about Julian's taste, I think he does just want some pretty arm candy. I don't think he's that into, you know, yeah. a thinking woman. He should have split with Quark. <laughs> well, when you see his uh, the people he goes out with in the, in the future, then it, it, it is pretty much arm candy, right? That's what I'm saying. He he doesn't really seem to be drawn to the you know to the thinking women. Mm-hmm. Although you know between um, between his relationship with Garrick and his relationship with O'Brien, we you know we we know which way this uh, this guy <laughs> yeah. this guy leans anyway. Okay, um, my bad thing, uh, we're explorers just like you, and this was all a test. Yay. Do we ever get a final exam? I hate tests. Seriously, just like, how many times can Star Trek do this? Uh, let's see, we <laughs> still million. got Voyager and Enterprise, I don't so know, is that a, a lot? Gav, <laughs> <laughs> do they, do they seriously do a lot of the, it was all a test, uh, plots in Voyager? I don't know. I don't probably not. It feels not. Probably, like they must, right? Probably. I don't know. I don't well, think it's Braga's, that much time travel. They do a lot. I know that. Yeah. Braga's got his own set of cliches, and I don't remember that being one of them. No. 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 He's it's into not. anomalies and time travel. Yes. Right. And let's create a weird mystery and then come up with a techno babble explanation for it. Yeah. But I'm sure there's at least a few tests in there. Well, probably. But I'm saying, it's, is it as much of a cliche as it has been in these these other, you know, two series and then this one so far? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like no, if there's not that much memorable. Come on down to the Starfleet Academy course, what to do on a test. Yeah. <laughs> there will be a test. <laughs> yes. Taught by Q. Hey. Is this going to be on the test? <laughs> Everything's on the test. Finding out whether or not it's going to be on the test is the test. Oh. I don't like this course. <laughs> no one does. Just wait till Q shows up. That's, Hello. That's the test. Yes. <laughs> it all was. Incidentally, that's how Q enters a room. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello, dum-dums. <laughs> uh, I, I love it. That um, at the beginning, they're t- well, at the beginning, they really telegraph the hell out of what's going to happen where Odo and Quark are talking about uh, humans and imagination and stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of that going around this week. We forgot to mention uh, uh, Quark and Odo talking about the land right in front of. Uh, oh, yeah. Just when it's convenient for the plot, they're talking about how somebody needs land. Right in front of Janos Industries. Right. No J. <laughs> Industries, because because what you want is for your company to start out with the word no. Yeah, that's a good one. 
that sends the right message, I assume. It's okay. On Ferenginar, no means yes. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, ew. <laughs> I'll just let you think about that one Not for a second. Not really the direction that was supposed to go. <laughs> Ew. But it explains a lot. It, it, it does. It really does. It totally does. I got to explain uh, why there are no women to Mal about 20 minutes ago. Yeah, that was that was a fun conversation. Yeah. yeah. But it but also explains a... why Ferengi racism is fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they kind of, they're kind of asking for it. Don't want you to hang around with that Ferengi boy. Well, now it all makes sense. I don't want you tell him telling you about women for obvious reasons. <laughs> but uh, so there's this this sort of foreshadowing conversation with with Odo and Quark, and Quark's trying to explain what baseball is to Odo, and he's like, "No, no, the thing that he's wearing is a baseball mitten," <laughs> and he's so earnest explaining it like that. No, 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 that's what it is. That would have been my quote. Yeah, that was, I just I love the read on that. Yes. And, uh, is a, and I, I love I love the idea of Quark opening up uh, Hollow Sweets for family for family fun. Well, and that was a that was a nice parallel. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it's a nice parallel to essentially what happened to Vegas. Oh yeah, totally. Which Vegas used to just be seedy places, and then they realized there was a lot of money in family entertainment. And yeah, uh, you could totally see Quark going in that direction. It yep. reminds me of the uh, Simpsons episode where Moo opens the uh, family pub restaurant thing. Yeah, that was that was. I could just picture Quark. Here I am, Uncle Quark. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Don't walk, run. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. There's just there's a lot of goofiness in this episode, yeah. but uh, so, so basically, Rumpelstiltskin, Stilts and uh, submissive Dax. Is that really still a Dax? But anyway, submissive Dax mm -hmm. and Bukai are like all um, aliens who are trying to find out about imagination. Right, we're explorers just like you, and we want to learn about your human emotions of, of, uh, of so, imagination. So do they have their own ship as well? Presumably. That would be an interesting Star Trek series. An imagined ship. Now, okay, so those three were actually part of the crew, let's say. What about Quark's girls, and what about the emu? What about well, the Quark's, snow? Well, the... Quark's girls were the emu. We figured that out. Uh-huh. But, I mean, I'm saying there must be dozens of these aliens all over the place, including the ones that made it snow. Well, here's the thing. We had guys that would like, like uh, they would go, they would disappear and then come back. Maybe oh, that's it was true. just the three of them. And sometimes Rumpelstiltskin was the snow, and sometimes Dax was an emu or a fireball, which is <laughs> or all that uh, all that Kira could imagine is some guy running around on fire. <laughs> yep, that's that's a great imagination you got there, uh, former terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the think of something that, nice. The problem is the alien read it wrong. He, she was actually imagining a house on fire. Yes, oh, say, so the last episode, she set a house on fire, and this one, she imagined someone on fire. I think she's got a problem. <laughs> Does she also imagine a leprechaun that says, <laughs> wants her to burn things? She's the one that set the dumpster behind my work on fire. <laughs> Kira, is it true you also saw Snagglepuss? He <laughs> <laughs> was going to the bathroom. Listen, when I was in when I was in the occupation, then uh, we didn't have time for Snagglepuss. Here we go. <laughs> but we had a time for an old tree. <laughs> Let me tell you the story about the old tree I burned down. Oh, she's going to tell you the story about the old tree she burned down. Ooh, I'm going to to hear this. No, I just burned down a tree. Um, <laughs> she burned down the floor. Some cares just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> Um. Oh, and so a chunk of Latin the size of a tangerine. <laughs> so this. Oh, and uh, there's a there's a great moment where Odo imagine like lets his imagination run free, and it's basically just he's got Quark in jail. Yep. And you you think it's because Quark's a bad guy and he's in jail, but really it's just good. Now he's here and we could talk all the time because we're best <laughs> friends. <laughs> so how's it going? Because they what are you been up to? So the, want to play pinochle? <laughs> we never get any time to talk anymore. You're always busy. <laughs> also, I, I, this is a this is a bit of a uh, tasteless plug here, but uh, <laughs> hey, it's our show. We can do this if we want. Um, our friend Gregory drew this great design of Odo screaming Quark, and uh, we've put it on a shirt. Actually, Matt, uh, I just got mine. You just got yours, and it's really nice. Yeah, it's a, it's a great design. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Postatomichorror dot com. Follow the link I, to the uh, store, and uh, I'll try and get a picture of me wearing it up. 
yeah, it's uh, it's it's a fantastic design, and uh, mm-hmm. I love when people turn our weird little inside jokes into uh, into things. Yeah, incidentally, if anyone wants to do a follow up of uh, Keiko yelling Miles, yes, <laughs> that would also be great. We're gonna we're gonna do a series of shirts about Star Trek characters yelling other Star Trek characters' names. <laughs> And, of course, the I Armist Pa shirt is still available. Yes, of course. Also is, an excellent choice. Which is also a fantastic choice. Also by Gregory, actually. Yes. You could, you could have so, Armist yelling his own name. <laughs> I would buy that. <laughs> oh, you would buy anything. That's true. That's why I don't have any money. Yes. I'm just, surrounded by garbage. Just and dirt. Stumbled. Yes. <laughs> Only I could trade them for some Yamak sauce. Here we go again. <laughs> Uh, what else? Anything? Now I'm going to haul ass to Lollapalooza. <laughs> I think we've quoted more Simpsons in this episode than we've quoted Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, yep. Sorry Not about that. I have a problem with that. <laughs> Why? It's, it's you. Of course we are. <laughs> no surprise. I'm surprised we haven't quoted Superman 3 more. <laughs> I would never I don't do know that. any quotes from Superman 3. That's okay. Help, I'm turning into a robot. <laughs> I'm Richard Pryor. There. That's everything I know about Superman 3. Oh, I'm I Superman. I asked you to quote Superman 3, and you couldn't even do that one, one simple, simple thing. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> anything more about these episodes? Um, oh, these episodes. Just looking over my notes here. Uh... That's all no, I, I think that's, yep. that's pretty much it. Very well. Well, Gav, pleasure as always. Um, but of course. Tell the fine people about what you do. I do a Doctor Who podcast. Thusly. Um, it's just go through Doctor Who. Currently we're in the middle of Patrick Trump. Well, not middle of Patrick Trump, but his era <laughs> on Doctor Who. The journey to the center <laughs> of him. Right. I watch that. Um, <laughs> and it's at drunkentimetravel.com. Oh well, that's right. You do have a you do have a proper URL now. Thanks yes, to Kim thanks, being Kim. impatient. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love the fact that she was she was almost apologizing for doing it. No, that <laughs> makes it easier. Yeah, absolutely does. No, it's a great show, and uh, and and as Gav says, they're making their way through Doctor Who the way we're making our way through Star Trek. We are doing a crossover with them. Yep. Um In two more weeks, next week. Uh, no, three more weeks. We're recording it's it next week. Yes. End, end of the end of the year. End of the year. Yes. Posting, airing, whatever. We're going to be talking to the Gavs soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last time we, we, we convened, we talked about the best of, uh, of our respective series. You guys mm-hmm. gave us a good episode of Doctor Who. We gave a you really a really good, good episode, episode of, of Doctor Who. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. And we give you a good episode of Star <laughs> Trek. Now, this now time we're going the other way. And, uh, boy. We watched our Who episode, and oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt's first thing was we should have given them something far worse than we did. Yeah. But, but uh, that said, I think it should result in some some interesting uh, discussion. Uh, we'll also be answering your mail in that episode. So, uh, yep, so send some. Yes, post at homocore at Gmail. We'd love to hear from you. And that is all. So, Gav, thank you again. Indeed. Thank you. And Matt, goodbye. say your thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.